Tuesday, March 20th. Having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Fox News is reporting, Harry, a Christian student group has been welcomed back on campus at Wayne State University after threatening a lawsuit for being unfairly booted out. It was the InterVarsity program, a program that had been at Wayne State University for 75 years. Now, nothing has really changed with InterVarsity, so why did they get booted out? When they decided to recertify themselves as an official student organization, they wrote on the form, as they had every other year before, that InterVarsity is committed to welcoming all students, but they would not necessarily have all students be a part of their group's leadership selection. Well, first of all, I'm grateful that they're back on campus. And notice they got back on campus when they said they were going to go and uh, challenge the ruling in court. Now, I think they were brought back on the campus, not because the administration changed its mind, but the administration knew they were going to lose in court. Why would they be going to court? Tom, there is a movement. It's a very clear movement, and I would encourage our listeners to do some research in cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism is basically the fallback from the collapse of communism. Communism built a Marxist view of life based upon economics, but the economic foundations of socialism in general, but communism in particular, basically collapsed. There's still socialists that get a hearing in various situations, not the least of which is the previous candidate for presidency, Bernie Sanders. We're fully aware that that's there. But by and large, the success is being accomplished in cultural Marxism. And what does cultural Marxism do? Well, cultural Marxism targets Christianity. There's a reason why all of the communist nations removed Christianity and killed Christians. That's the one ideology that they cannot stand against. By definition, Marxism is atheistic. The rationale and the truth and the power of the theistic foundations of Christianity cannot be denied and will always ultimately undo the irrationality of atheism. So what they've done is they've gone after cultural Marxism, which is to create movements whereby Christians and Christian thinkers and Christian institutions are mocked, are shamed, are marginalized, and if at all possible, silenced. That's why they go after them to silence them, particularly in the halls of learning. They certainly don't want to debate the ideas because their ideas will always lose under the onslaught of biblical Christianity's rationality, supra-rationality, and its accuracy in dealing with the reality of creation, redemption, and the doctrine of providence. That is how God sustains his creation. How did we get here? How can you be saved? And how are we sustained? And therefore, there's a desire to remove them from the public square. Many times this works because what you do is you bring it into the court system where you're going to have allies and these judges and whereby you've got volunteers as lawyers or you've raised the money for these lawyers. And then these Christian organizations, they don't have lawyers. They don't have the ability to raise the money to go to court. So many times they just successfully legally ostracize them and legally alienate them while they culturally attempt to shame them. 
InterVarsity decided, nope, we're going to go to court. As soon as that message came, then Wayne State backed out immediately because they knew what would happen if they went to court. Why do I take the time to walk through that? Because there is a movement among Christians today, which is, well, if they're going to kick these organizations off campus, let's just go off campus. Let's go ahead and give it to them. Let's be humble and let them shame us into silence or shame us into abdicating from our presence on the campus. And by the way, if you lose the case and if they force you off the campus, yeah, just go across the street and open up a ministry and start reaching out to the campus. That's fine. But I don't think you should willingly walk over there in order to manifest some sense of humility. I think in humility, we're willing to go there. Humility will show in the manner of how we contest the issues. But I don't think humility is don't contest the issues. Let me use the Apostle Paul. There are arguably three times, at least two times, that the Apostle Paul, when he was being silenced, appealed to his citizenship rights within Rome. Now, why did he do that? One case arguably saved his life, humanly speaking. The other case arguably was unnecessary because he was about to be pardoned anyway. In fact, King Agrippa said, doesn't he know if he hadn't appealed to Rome, he would have been set free? But he's appealed to Rome, let's send him on. Well, I believe the Apostle Paul did not make those appeals legally simply for the purpose of his own personal well-being to fulfill his ministry as Apostle. I think he did it for other Christians to carve out their freedoms that were already there and affirm them that they were in fact free to practice their religion under the present guidelines in Rome. So I believe it is appropriate for us to say there is a constitution, there is a Bill of Rights, and that Bill of Rights was actually put there because of the anticipation of a day in which either the state would create a state church to impose upon everyone or the state would create laws to try to stop the church and the Christian from the free exercise of religion. Remember, the First Amendment says they are not to make laws whereby any national church is imposed upon the nation, and they are not to make any laws that prohibit the free exercise of religion. And by the way, may I commend not only the Beckett Foundation for their work in this, but also the Alliance for Defending Freedom, Both of those organizations are doing an excellent job arguing for Christians to be in the public square, in the public institutions for the free exercise of religion. And I do not believe it is inappropriate. I do not believe it is a bad witness for Christians to go to the court in order to affirm what their founding fathers, influenced by Christians, secured in the Bill of Rights, because they knew a day like this would come, in which the state would either try to impose a church to control its people, or the state would attempt to outlaw Christianity, because Christianity would be an ideology and a way of life that would confront statism, which is the notion that the state is sovereign over everything in life instead of a state that is under God, not a state that is becoming God, not a state that assumes its position of deity over its citizen, but a state that assumes its responsibility under God to protect the freedoms that God has given to his people.
There are four times in the Declaration of Independence that God is referenced as the author and giver of unalienable rights and our freedoms. You have to be sensibly blind not to see the impact from God's law that penetrate and permeate the law of our Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And all you have to do is to go to the end of the Constitution at the signatures, it says, in the year of our Lord. That's what they acknowledge. This Constitution was under the sovereign God who rules and reigns in all days and all months and all years and in the year that the Constitution was written and signed. Harry, on tomorrow's edition of Today in Perspective, I want to take you to an interview that Evangelical Focus did with British psychiatrist and Christian author Glenn Harrison. It deals with biblical sexuality and it deals with the plight of pornography. How do we get free from it if we are captivated by it? What does it do? Well, it certainly isn't victimless by any means whatsoever. We'll try to use appropriate language for the sake of all of our listeners. As we close out for today, let me remind you to download the Briarwood app. With this app, you'll have access to audio, video, and written resources. Go to your favorite app store, type in Briarwood PCA. It's yours free of charge. As a part of this app, you'll have access to our five-minute daily devotional entitled Fresh Bread. Five minutes each weekday, a great addition to your personal quiet time, a great way to stay in the scriptures day in and day out. Again, this app is yours free of charge. Well, do stop by again tomorrow, Wednesday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.